Welcome to Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. There's no BS, no fluff, there's zero guru talk, just real real estate flipping knowledge. Here's your host, Greg Simpson. What is up, everybody? This is Greg Simpson again with Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros, and I got an awesome guest for us today. Uh, Alliance, you're going to love this guy. He's got his own podcast currently. He's doing big things in the cash flow world. Please welcome Tyler Chef from the Cash Flow Guys. Guys, I'm lucky to have this guy in my own market as such an awesome resource for me. So I wanted to make sure I brought Tyler on the show. Welcome, Tyler. How are you doing today? Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. So glad you could make time out of your busy schedule to be a part of our show today. How could I miss it after that intro? That's all. Yeah, right? <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Tyler. Like, where are you from? You're married, have kids. What What would your family life and personal life look a little bit like? Well, Greg, I'm, I hail from upstate, upstate New York originally. I was born in Buffalo, but uh, my parents, after the blizzard of 77, that'll date you how old I was when I was a kid, moved down to Florida to escape the snow. Pretty much been here ever since. Uh, of course, I'm a husband and uh, my dad. I've got two daughters. Uh, they're both, well, I guess they're both adults now. They're 19 and uh, coming up on 19 and 22. And I'm here from in the Tarpon Springs area. And, of course, I work uh, two markets here locally. I work uh, Tampa Bay Market in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. That's right. I forgot about that you were up there, too. That's right. So what do you do in your free time like to get away from real estate? Because I know if you're like me, real estate is like in the forefront of your brain 24 hours a day, even while we sleep. So what do you do to kind of decompress and, and and what like what, what kind of like your hobbies and stuff you do in your free time? You know, I'm a sportsman. I'm one of those weird guys that doesn't watch football. I've never actually watched a football game. No I way. Yeah, I swear to God, it's just the God's honest truth. I am a sportsman. I'm out fishing and hunting. Everybody else is in the wing house getting wings and beer on a Sunday. I'm out on the flats catching the fish that should be in your freezer, not mine. <laughs> so that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. And, of course, reading. Always, always a kind of a self-improvement junkie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like me. And that's why we have our resources tab on our website for people to go check out the types of books that I listen to, our guests listen to, or, I mean, sorry, our guests read and listen to because I'm, I'm an audible guy. I'm sure you listen to plenty of audible books as well. Absolutely. I just, uh, matter of fact, a little, little hint for your audience there. I, I discovered that on eBay, you can buy uh, credits for audible at a discount. I just did that yesterday, actually, for the first time. I bought 20 books. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Like, I don't know how that worked, but that's it's amazing. So, yeah, you can buy it on eBay, and it was like $25 for 10 credits or something like that. Yeah, I went a little overboard. I I've, I don't need any reading material for the next year and a half. Uh, yeah. Um. So what, what would you say? Is it you're a book guy, you know, what would you say is your favorite book, and what book are you currently reading? Currently, I'm reading The Millionaire Mind. Okay. Uh, I, I enjoy that. But my favorite book probably of all time is a book called Equity Happens. And it's written by uh, Robert Helms and Russell Gray, who also have a podcast. They're known as the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. Okay. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about how you got introduced to real estate. Like what got you started in, in this real estate business? Well, I like to tell people I had two. I had, there's a first act and a second act of my real estate career. I uh, 
had a trucking business for many years, and that's cyclical. It's up and down. You know, things expand, contract, whatever. My mom, I grew up with, my mom is a, is a broker. She's been a broker for, you know, going on 40-plus years at this point. And I remember watching her go to the closings back in the 80s when the interest rates were 20% with suitcases of customers' money to close. And I always thought it was kind of intriguing. Um, so I was raised in it. And uh, back in the year 2000, I got my license, uh, my Florida real estate license, thought I was going to make a gajillion dollars uh, selling other people's houses, but then, of course, realized that really I was working for tips. So for me, I needed to take things to the next level because I get bored easy and uh, I can't work for minimum wage like everybody else seems to want to. So I got into real estate investing. Uh, but with me, it was I was the guy that thought I could make it all, make all my money flipping. Mm-hmm. which I'm sure, Greg, you know me well enough to know in this market. I'm the guy that flipped half of St. Pete back in the day. If it's, I used to tell people, if it's light yellow with white trim, there's a pretty darn good chance that I owned it at one time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we progressed into, I was fortunate. I, I took a lot of my flips and I put tenants in them. That's how I kind of learned how to be a landlord while I was, because back then the market was going up so fast. I was literally seeing 20, 25% appreciation every year. So it just made sense to buy it right, fix it up nice, put a tenant in place, and then a year or two, I would make twice as much money reselling the property after that. And I got out right before the crash, thank goodness. The Mm -hmm. problem is, though, I was a lot younger and a lot dumber, and I didn't uh, really allow for the capital gains tax. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, so I got a really big bill from the IRS that it took uh, several years to pay off. So Mm -hmm. that kept me out of real estate for a little while. Wow. So how long, how long have you been in real estate total? You think? Uh, coming up on 18 years now. Wow, that's a yeah. long time. Oh, uh, so yeah. First time it was all rehab and, and flipping. And the second time it's uh, I got back in wholesaling. And then, of course, I get bored with that kind of stuff. But it didn't see as big enough of a challenge. So then I got into buying hold of apartment buildings. And that's what we specialize in now. Right. So before we get into how you found your niche, like tell us like a little bit about your first deal. Like how'd you find it? What kind of deal was it? Break it down just very quickly. What kind of deal was your first ever real estate deal? Not, not as an investor, not as a realtor, obviously. My first real estate deal was a little condo over for those that are local in the local market in St. Pete on fourth street. There's a complex out there. That's condominiums. It was a a $20,000 purchase that I worked really hard to get a bank loan for, believe it or not. I had a hard time getting a mortgage for 20 grand back then. I don't think they do even do mortgages that low anymore. Nope. But uh, I was able to get approved for a mortgage. I was in my early 20s, and um, I, that was my first investment property. It was a buy and hold. Buy and hold. So you're, you started off as a buy and hold investor, the opposite of what most people do. Correct. Yep. I mean, I just listened to your podcast about the passive game and, and, and you know it, it's such an eye-opening thing because i don't own any real rental properties right now uh i have but i'm not i, I just you know i've got kind of wrapped into the i want to fix and flip i want to wholesale i want to build cash reserves and then go buy and that's why guys if, if you haven't listened to tyler's podcast you need to go listen to it and if you're local to the tampa market you need to go to one of his cash flow guys events uh which you what, what's your website again tyler cashflowguys.com that should be pretty easy to remember guys yep so how did you find your niche tyler i mean what 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 drove you to your niche i guess i'd say well i guess it would start with the fact that i'm an only child and i don't like competition 
uh, I'll take my toys and play in my own sandbox. And <laughs> as you know, Greg, in this market, it's highly competitive in this market, especially in the single family space. Basically, everybody that can fog a mirror calls himself a wholesaler, yep. as you well know. And uh, same with real estate agents and uh, investors in general. So I wanted to reduce my competition. I, I didn't want to have to make split-second decisions with six-figure uh, amounts. So I got into multifamily mainly because nobody else was really looking there. And that's kind of how it all started. Yeah, there's still not a lot of competition. I mean, there's definitely competition there, but it's definitely not, it's still not that high um, in this market. It's, I mean, it's getting more and more because people are struggling to find good single family deals that multifamily is becoming much more popular. Well, what I learned is that, you know, people fear what they don't understand. And, and, and I don't understand why people would fear a duplex over a single family house, except the only difference is you just take the math and multiply everything by two. Yep. Uh, or divide, depending on how you're doing it. But uh, I'm okay with people fearing that because I can go in and secure great opportunities while nobody else is looking. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, what would you say was the turning point in your real estate business? Like what was the thing that like catapulted you to the next level? For me, it was realizing that I could not do this. I could not grow my portfolio to where it is now without other people involved. I was, you know, I was raised an only child. I'm not used to sharing with others. Uh, it's, it's, and I had the scarcity mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, and that held me back. And once I realized that the only way I was going to achieve my goals, which were lofty, but I got there and escaped the rat race, retire at 40, at uh, 44. At the time, that was two years ago when I retired, uh, is to leverage the resources of other people. And I, of course, had to be extremely fair with them and make it conducive to them wanting to do business. That's a big step for a lot of people, especially us real estate investors. Typically, we're a little bit type A personality. So giving up control is very difficult, but it is absolutely necessary if you want to scale and grow your business. I mean, that's just that's business 101. Absolutely. So. Tell us a time that you were going through a rough patch in your business and what was what did you do to get yourself out of that rut? Because I can tell you a few times on my own personal experience, you know, you get down, you get frustrated and you want to throw in the towel, but you just got to pick yourself up and go and keep moving forward. So what was that like for you? For me, it was stepping across the line, getting into the bigger deals now, you know, coming out of being a realtor for many years and being a rehabber. We all think we have a lot of experience. I've done over 100 deals over the years, and you think you know it all. And then when you get into the buy and hold and you get into the multifamily, it was that fear of, okay, I'm totally out of my element, and I'm writing offers, and I don't have any money, and I couldn't. I had a very difficult time balancing what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Should I go out and raise the capital, or should I go out and try to do the deals? And I had a hard time juggling that. So for me, that was huge, and um, I discovered that everything comes down to building relationships. It's all about everything that I teach comes down to building rapport, building relationships. It helps me be able to run a very clean, very honest business. A lot of times people don't like what I have to say because unfortunately I'm going to be very upfront mm -hmm. about things. And, uh, but the bottom line is I've built a reputation that if, if I give you a contract, you can bet your bit we are going to close. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to write the terms favorable to the point that will allow me to do that. And that's the most important thing. And perfect example is people say, well, guy, you waste a lot of time talking to people face to face. Well, example, Monday, I was with some of my coaching clients and we were 
negotiating a the purchase of a one duplex, which turned into two duplexes. And this was an off-market deal. We were face-to-face with the sellers, old school. They didn't have any compelling need, but what, after spending two hours with these folks, we discovered that not only did they have one duplex, they had two. And we were able to negotiate about a 50% discount off of what they were asking and got both properties knocked out. But you can't do that with a direct mail piece or you can't do that with, you know, a commercial saying, I'm the greatest, sell me your house. That's not going to work. You got to build that relationship and we're willing to invest the time. And that's what's been a lot of our success. Well, you have to, man. And that's one of the things that I've I've, I've preached in my first podcast was that my business and, and yours obviously as well, they're all built around a strategic alliance with multiple different businesses and people. And so that's why I named our audience the Alliance, because I want them to feel that they are part of this strategic alliance that we have as experts in our prospective fields. So, you know, that's why we do what we do over here. So we, we want to make sure that you guys are part of this alliance because it's been so critical to all of the people that I know that are successful in this business. We all have those strategic alliances lined up. And when I need something, I just call one of those people and boom, it's done. And vice versa. They call me, they know it's done. Hey, you, hey, Greg, I just had something fall out of escrow. Can you close on this thing in two weeks? Absolutely. You know? Well, yeah, and that's it. And you've built a reputation. And I've watched, I've watched your business grow. You you have a reputation, like I do, is that you know, if, you, if you put things on paper, you're going to follow through. And if something comes up, a change or whatever, you're not going to overstate what you can't do. You're very direct and to the point, and you've built a heck of a business because of it. And I've seen you make that change with um, uh, TB RIA as well, where the, the RIA has got an amazing reputation now. It's You guys are becoming a, the leader in the marketplace really quickly. Yep. So congrats. But it's Thanks. it's that it's the integrity. You know, everything you do is integrity-based and and that's just the key to what you're doing. So well done, I gotta say. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I mean, the thing is, though, and, and listeners know that I don't hold anything back. Um, if I tell you, if I think you're being an idiot, I'm gonna tell you you're being an idiot. Uh, if you're doing something stupid, I'm gonna tell you you're being, doing something stupid. Like I'm gonna be very blunt with you because this is a very blunt business. There's a lot of money at stake on a lot of different aspects. Whether it's a, even if it's a wholesale deal, where there technically is no money tied up of your own except for your marketing dollars you can still lose a lot of money in marketing or whether it's a big you know multi-million dollar apartment complex there has to be a lot of directness going on so you will hear me cuss i'm sure you cuss in your business just as much as i do (laughs) well one one thing i liked about watching you grow build your business is that you were okay with not having all the answers and you were up front and saying hey you know i'm i'm out of my comfort zone i'm not quite sure what i'm doing in this particular task and someone helped me and amazingly enough people stepped up and helped i did the same thing with my business you have to i've never bought an apartment building before and i'm terrified somebody please help me yeah that's that's one thing i think that that our country in our um education system i guess you could say is that that's failed because people feel like they have to know everything before they can do anything and it's the exact opposite i'm not afraid to tell somebody i don't know the answer but you're sure as hell or i'm sure as hell gonna find out for you and get back to you as soon as possible what that answer really is and i don't understand like why people are afraid to say i don't know do you think they're afraid of uh sounding like an idiot or 
rather not be an idiot or, or actually end up being an idiot because you think you know it and you don't. Exactly. On my show, I talk about you can't learn and look good at the same time. It's just not possible. That's a great saying. I like that. So every day I get up and I try my best to, to screw something up because that tells me that I'm – and I'm not saying I intentionally set out to like, hey, I'm going to go crash my car into a wall. No, but I'm going to get in the car and drive down the street so I can make some progress. If you're if you're not making mistakes, then you're not making any progress. That's bottom line. I agree. So what what's one thing you know today that you wish you'd have known when you first got started? I wish that I would have known that I could have actually pulled the trigger on big deals right from the get-go. Hmm. Everybody told me to start small, think small, do just get what you can afford save your money. And I realized that I didn't, that was completely the opposite from what actually the reality of things. And, and that's what's helped me build the portfolio to where it is now. It's, it's kind of mind blowing. That's, that's a good one. I like that a lot. So Tyler, let, let's talk about, I always, this is one of my favorite questions I get to ask. Tell me about the craziest deal you've ever had to do. Craziest deal I've ever had to do. I can tell you, let's see here. Oh yeah, I can think of one. I had it was a it was a rehab project over in St. Petersburg, big Victorian house, three thousand square foot, fireplace in every bedroom, right? Gorgeous wow. house. And this is way back many years ago, back in two thousand one, and um, I got in it for fifty grand, which even then was a fantastic deal. Uh, when I went there that day, that's when the MLS was in its. It was not like it is today. It was you had to wait every morning for the new listings to be released, and then you'd get in the car and it would be a big race. <laughs> <You'd have> like, <laughs> The caravan going down 13th Avenue in St. Petersburg of all these cars backed up trying to get in jockey for position. And we got it. And I found out uh, it was a foreclosure. And that was back when I really didn't know much about foreclosures. And we got this property. And with little did we know that the well, I used to be a police officer and the city of St. Pete building inspector, code enforcement officer. There was a, a lesbian couple. One was the code enforcement officer. One was the building inspector. And I had put one of their sons in jail when I was a police officer. Oh, no. For a long time. He was a narcotics trafficker, and I locked him up for a good 20 years. Well, needless to say, when they walked in the door when we were doing demo without a permit, things kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, imagine put opening up 3,000 square foot of plaster and laugh because the city is forcing you to do it. Oh, right. my goodness. That'll give you an indication. Yeah, we lost just a little bit of money on that one. Oof. Ouch. That's a, that's a pretty crazy deal. <laughs> uh, that's my seminar, one of them. Yeah, is it really? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's definitely a seminar right there. That's, you, know, <laughs> you, can, you can pay to go to real estate education or you can make major mistakes. I've found that it's a lot cheaper to pay for real estate education than making them some of those major mistakes. Yeah, that's what we try to do is we try to help kickstart their career or or help uh, our alliance maybe perfect their business or, you know, take it to the next level by using my mistakes, using my guests' mistakes as, as opportunities to learn what not to do better than to, what to go do sometimes, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say is the most common mistake that a newbie makes when they first get started in this business? I would say the most common mistake is uh, analysis paralysis. They spend a lot of time feeling like, and you said it earlier in the episode here, is that people feel like they need to have all the answers before they begin. And it's interesting because a lot of my 
private money investors. All of the, all, everything I do is with private capital. I raise private capital for apartment building. I could say that probably 60% of my investors are engineers in some regard, computer engineers, civil engineers, whatever, but they have the engineering mindset and they are the type that need every single detail of the deal in order for them to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And what they find is that they wind up being passive investors because they are so hyper-analytical, it's almost impossible for them to be active investors. And, and I've been successful because I've studied their personality type and I've been able to provide them with what they need to be able to make a decision and challenge their thought process so that they can see the value in what they're doing and then you know back off a little bit so we can get deals done. And it's which is beautiful because dealing with engineers, everybody else hates dealing with engineers. <laughs> if you go, <laughs> oh, they're like, oh my God, they're going to, I'm going to have to show everything. I'm fine. I'll give you so much information. You'll be like, oh my goodness, just forget it. I mean, I have an on-staff CFO. You want some information? Let I'll turn you on to him and he'll bore you to tears. So there you go. <laughs> yes, they will. But uh, that was a big one for me. So with those, with the constant newbies, you know, joining the, 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 the business, how do you yourself separate your business from all those newbies coming in that say they're the real estate investors? Bottom line is I, everything I do is completely abstract from everybody else. I, I stay away from negativity. And when I, I insist that I have a direct conversation with the people involved, in other words, I generally will not worry about if I'm going to do a wholesale transaction, I won't do it on an, on an MLS property because I can't get to the decision maker. Yeah. I'm not afraid of sitting down in front of somebody face to face. Frankly, I thrive on it. I want to be either on the phone and I've actually taken the phone call to the next level. I use a video platform called Zoom, which is like kind of like Skype, where I'm actually face to face with the seller or the buyer or whatever, because I feel I'm more effective in negotiating when I can look you in the eye and have a conversation directly face to face. And I don't care if you're in Seattle or if you're in Seminole. I'm going to be face-to-face with you to have a negotiation. And my quote-unquote competition, the new guy, the new guy's hiding in the corner, in the bushes. He's a, he's ashamed that he's a wholesaler. He's embarrassed about the amount of money he's making. And his idea of sending an offer over, or a realtor's idea of sending an offer over, is a blind email saying, here. So when you stuff that offer down in my face, and all it says is 125000 that's all I have to go on. Yeah. So then my answer is probably going to be no. It's a lot easier to say no and, and, and over the phone, over text message, over email than it is ever in person. Sure. And with these the technology these days, I, I require people, if we're going to have, I listen, I'm going to make you an offer that's going to solve every one of your needs, but we're going to have to go on this Zoom session. And what I've done a lot of times is I'll reach out to a title company or a real estate company nearby if somebody is adverse to electronics and say, guys, could you set this up for me? I'll give you a hundred bucks. Set this up for me, 50 bucks, whatever. And let the people come in and sit down in front of the computer and have a conversation face to face. Nobody does that. You're right. That's a great tip. I'll have to look into doing that for my own business because, you know, we are expanding into other markets, too. And I'm only one person. I can't be in every place at one time. So that's a that's a great little tip there. You can now. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get out here, I just got a couple more things I want to go over with you. I know you're an agent and still are. So in your opinion, for investing purposes only, is it better to have a real estate license or not? Is it better? I would say no. Does it provide some assistance? I would maybe say maybe on a case by case. I 
I shy away from, I hear a lot of people talk about, well, don't get your real estate license because then you have to disclose. And my, my rebuttal to that is, why wouldn't you disclose anyway? That's just the right way to do business. I don't think it's really much help. For me, my license does more for iron referral fees. There's a lot of deals that I decide not, that don't fit my criteria. I'm kind of lazy, so I may wholesale them. And, you know, I have a podcast and people call me from around the country. I've got a big audience. We're coming up on 100,000 now. And they're, hey, do you know a good agent in Seattle? Matter of fact, I do. Let me get on the phone and put A and B together and they buy a house. I get a 25, 30% referral fee. So that's my big push for keeping my license. Outside of that, I don't think it really helps me at all. It doesn't give me any competitive advantage. I would agree uh, exactly with what you said. Uh, and I'll add that I think it just adds to the analysis paralysis. It because does. And you're literally now it's one more thing you've got to go learn and perfect and do. And it's distracting you from your business of real estate investing, not at, by trying to be an agent on top of it. So I agree with what you said. And that's a good point about the referral fees. Now, the, the, the school is there to teach you how to not go to realtor jail. It's not there to teach you how to right. be an investor. It's not there. It, it doesn't teach you how to negotiate. No. Oh, I, my gosh. We've got 35,000 agents in the Tri-County area, I believe it is. And out of those 35,000 agents, I can count on one or two hands how many I feel can effectively negotiate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the one thing that drives me crazy is that they don't know how to negotiate because they're not taught. And they also don't know how to overcome objections. That's correct. Oh, that's the biggest thing because we've flipped many, many houses in, in my career already. And the like when the seller or I mean, sorry, the buyer walks in and it nitpicks a few things and doesn't make an offer, but the rest of the house is gorgeous. The, the buyer's agent is not going to bat for the house so they can make a commission because they don't know how to overcome those minor objections. And it drives me nuts because, oh, you want that fixed? Okay, I'll fix it for you. It's going to cost me a hundred bucks. Let's get the deal done. Oh, right. beyond frustrating. Should We should create our own seminar like that, Tyler, that <laughs> you know, just negotiating I, for agents. That is on my to-do list. I was going to reach out to you about that. There you go. But uh, yeah, it's, it's guys, people fall for this trap all the time. I see all the time. Well, I'm going to get my license. And then I'm going to start investing in real estate. Stop what you're doing. It's going to cost you 200 bucks to go to the course. It's all told you're going to spend a thousand dollars. All of the best, the best real estate education in the country. And I can say this with a, straight face because I've been around the country and every seminar and boot camp you can think of the best real estate education anywhere in the country is in the Tampa Bay market. I agree. And most of it can get done cheaper than it costs to get your real estate license. Exactly. Oh man. I mean, that's the thing is like, there's so much good education out there and we provide good education with TB Rhea through my coaching program and, and, and my four flipping steps that I've got uh, as my online training platform. Um, you know, and that's, that's again, like $97 a month and you can go do deals within just a few weeks. It's crazy. It is crazy. And you're, I mean, I came, that's why I came to your wholesaling course. I'm naturally skeptical. And I got to say to those that are listening, the wholesaling course was exceptional. And that says a lot coming from me because I'm kind of a, a major skeptic when it comes to real estate education. Well, I am now too. Cause if, if you listen to my first podcast, I tell my story about how my dad and I got swindled out of a lot of money from some of the, one of those big gurus that really didn't teach anything. So, you know, I can't stress enough that there's a lot of really good information out there that is extremely affordable. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be here, I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
So before I get you, get you out of here, in one of your last podcasts, you, you touched on direct mail. Do you think it's still effective? I, I believe, I'm a believer that everything works, nothing doesn't. So effective to some degree. However, I feel that it's cost prohibitive. In other words, you're going to spend a good, ch- good chunk of money uh, getting out there and, and casting that wide net. If it's, I would, if you're going to do direct mail, I always tell people to be extremely laser focused on, mm-hmm. on very, very niche uh, and stick with, within a certain area and just absolutely master it. I know a lot of wholesalers use it. It it works great. No, nothing wrong with it. I just prefer uh, a little different method. It's for me, it was, and you well know, Greg, everybody knows me as the cash flow guy. I'm the cash flow guy and the real estate problem solver. If you can't figure out how to make this happen, I'm probably the guy you're going to call in Tampa Bay market. Uh, I purposely positioned myself that way. So that is my advertising. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we've definitely scaled back our direct mail because it has gotten so saturated. So we, we've kind of started doing some other avenues, which I could, that's all part of, of some of my trainings. But um, direct mail, I don't want to say it's dying, but it, it it's definitely harder, harder and harder to get a deal from it because every time you go to a seller's house, they've got 10 other letters from somebody, from other people. Or Absolutely. More. Absolutely. And what you teach in your wholesaling class, and I won't go into deep into details, but the, what you teach about lead generation in your wholesaling class is just that solid gold information for those of you that haven't been to that and you're in the Tampa Bay market. Frankly, as cheap as you do that course, it's worth a plane ticket. In my opinion, it's worth a plane ticket because I know people that spend five grand to get half of the information that's in your course and the other half is garbage. Yeah, we just realized that we're at, we were charging too low. So we did we did increase the price for next year. Uh, in 2017, what's that? I take partial responsibility. Yeah, I told you I mean, both that's too cheap. <laughs> it is too cheap. Um, but that was part of my my whole reason I did TV Rhea to begin with is to be able to provide amazing content for people at a at a very reasonable price because I got we got taken for such a large chunk of money that it's just it's just mind boggling to me that 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 people spend that kind of money and then can't do a deal afterwards so that's, that's why it's so cheap for or so affordable uh, on our end because we want you guys to be able to or people to go out there and do the deals with the marketing budget that you have left over that you didn't spend thirty thousand dollars on absolutely and all that thirty thousand dollar stuff is ridiculous and for me it's it is what i've decided in my business is it's i used to give everything away and, and what i did was i was doing myself and my audience the services i can't continue to provide the value and, and putting myself out there as the sacrificial lamb because I'm the one that's going to suffer. Everybody else will prosper, and that doesn't help anybody else. So for me, it was a paradigm shift. It's like, you know, I do need to raise my prices to the point that I can continue to provide the same value, if not more value, down the road. And that was one of my decision makers right there. And granted, I still don't have courses, and I really don't have any plans to do any in the near future. But um, I think that's an important thing is that you're not going to get the good education for free. No. It, it shouldn't cost $30,000, but to the same degree, the, the educator needs to be profitable to be able to deliver good content. I think that's important. Oh, agreed. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed what Tyler has brought to the show today. Tyler, tell us a little bit about how they can get a hold of you. The best way to reach me is, of course, through my website at cashflowguys.com. I do take, I do a free consultation with folks every Friday. It's, uh, you, if you listen to my show, you'll hear it. It's cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. 
that will give you a 30-minute call. Um, if you want to know about the, the dirty details about Greg's wholesaling course, then get on the phone with me. I'll walk you through it. <laughs> and you'll uh, probably be signing up after the call, but that's not because of the sales pitch. It's because I believe in it. But something that we started doing recently is uh, Coffee with the Cashflow Guys. It's a Friday morning uh, video call, kind of okay. doing it like a, like a little bit of a TV program, but uh, we're hosting it in-house. So if you go to my website, cashflowguys.com, and then put a forward slash coffee, uh, that will allow you to register, and then we'll send out a link. It's free, and you can go on there on Friday mornings at 9 o'clock Eastern time. It's a video conference, and uh, if you got questions about the different how to structure deals or raise money or whatever the questions you have, that's your opportunity to get those answered. Uh, and that's just our way of kind of giving back to the community and at the same time building our database. Awesome. Awesome, awesome stuff today, Tyler. I really appreciate it. I know the Alliance appreciates you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and tell us a little about yourself and your business. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you having me. All right, Tyler. Have a great day. You've just listened to another Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. You're another step closer to fulfilling your dreams as a successful real estate entrepreneur. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide into this exciting venture called real estate investing. For more information, visit our website at www.flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. Catch you on the flip side, Alliance.